0: food over Christmas? Okay, there's many of you are owning, owning up to it. Who's ate far too many chocolates? Who had lots of roses and celebration tins and all that? Who ate too many mince pies and Christmas pods and yeah, yeah, lots of things happening. So this is a great opportunity as we enter um, this 21 days of prayer and fasting, uh, recognizing that it's not a diet that we enter into, it really isn't. There's a spiritual dynamic What we're doing, but I'd encourage you to really lock in uh, to this 21 days over the next uh, as from Tuesday for the 21 days duration and uh, really join with us for those who are able to pray and fast. And if you're not able to fast, use use it as an opportunity to you know pray. And you know, some people choose to just say they're not going to eat for dinner, they're going to have the other meals. Because of medical reasons, that's cool. There's no pressure from us. Some people choose a Daniel fast, which is basically no meat, just fruit and vegetable. And then there are other people who literally take a, a full fast, possibly not for the whole 21 days, but just have days throughout the week where they do that. And there's just something that dynamically happens and next week I'm going to be sharing into that because I know the whole church will be together and we've got some teaching aids and resource that we want to hand out to you that we'll have available to you and, uh, you know, which will just help you uh, to really lock into what we are doing. I also want to just make mention before I get into the, to the message, uh, for those who are on uh, email, you'll, you'll know that a long-standing member of Arena Church, a very faithful and loyal uh, friend uh, of, of mine, uh, and, and also this, this church here, uh, Jim Biggin, passed away. Uh, it was very sudden in many ways. Uh, I know we were away during October. We knew he wasn't well, but we didn't know it was so life-threatening. Um, but uh, when we came back, we, we realized, and we, we actually had a meal with him over at our house just before we went away on holiday. And we was just saying encouraging him, and he said he felt better. He'd got a little bit more clarity around the doctors, but it, it soon became apparent to the doctors that his heart was failing and actually failed. And um, so really over six to seven weeks, so I was only reflecting, uh, we saw uh, Jim really um, you know, just suddenly deteriorate before our eyes. And if I can just say a few things, thanks for those who visited him in hospital. I know it was very much appreciated. Thanks to the pastoral team for the way that you just rallied and that's why we have a church. If it's all dependent on me, we've got trouble. If it's all dependent on just one or two of us, we're in trouble of a church of this size. There needs to be more people that rally. And that's what happened. And uh, it was great to be able to just have lots of opportunity personally to speak with Jim. So in Jim, a matter of fact style, it was, I don't want my body coming in here. Uh, I want this to be a celebration with, over food. Um, so I want my service at the crematorium so that's where it's going to be. And details, or further details, will come about that. I don't want any flowers because I don't want any fuss. And this was his language. And I already know he's already told me where I've got to preach from, and it's the book of Job. Can you believe it? The book of Job, it was his favorite book. I mean, how can you get the book of Job as your favorite book? But anyway, I've got a message. I told him we had a lot of laughs. His dry sense of humor really was right up until the end. Honestly, those who were there right up until the end. So only the last two or three days, there was pain and he just deteriorated. And I just want to say publicly, I'll, I'll do this at the crematorium, but there was a life well lived. He was a good man. He was a faithful man to this church and a faithful friend of ours. I'll miss him deeply uh, because I know he prayed for me. I know he prayed for our family. Uh, I know he supported me and he supported our family. And people like him don't come across all the time. So I need some other people to rise up and take the place of Jim. There's a challenge to you this morning. Um, But uh, we, we will give opportunity to just celebrate his life. And as I say, I'll give you further information once we have Absolutely got it confirmed. It is my joy to be able to share on this first um, Sunday, if I can just get into the uh, iPad. I wonder if Olivia's around or if somebody can get me in because we've had trouble with um, the printer. And oh, Ah, here we are, I've got it. And all my notes uh, I sent to the printer but we couldn't get it printed off. So I'm working on an iPad, which I wouldn't normally do. Um, so you'll just have to bear with me um, you know, just if there's one or two errors that are, are made. But I want to talk this morning about making the shot. Make the shot. If you're taking notes, just make the shot. It'll become clear in a moment what I mean by make the shot. But really what it came out of is I've just got this word that's buzzing around in my heart. I was asked by Phil to, um, to just share um, a, a devotional at the last elders gathering that we were together. And, and before I did that, I was just working through the word of overflow. There was a reason why I was working through it, because we'd had issues in one of our bathrooms that had been caused by the overflow that had caused a leak in our utility room. So it was very much on my mind, this thought of overflow. And I was thinking about things that we need to overflow with, and I'm going to talk about some of these things in the weeks and days ahead. But one of the things that I'm, I'm mindful of is that as we enter 2017, I'm really believing that it's going to be a year of overflow in so many areas, including opportunity. I believe it's going to be a year of overflow with regards to opportunity. I honestly believe we live in a world and a time with an unprecedented opportunity. Do not believe everything that News at 10 tells you or Sky News tells you. Do not believe it. If you believe it, you'll believe it at your peril. That everybody says, you know, the, 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 the Christian church is shrinking and shrinking shrinking. There was a report in the Telegraph this week that talks about the church is getting larger and larger in the Pentecostal church. Not in Africa, not in Australia, not in North America, but here in the UK. God is at work amongst us. And we thank God for all that he's doing amongst us. We have an unprecedented opportunity. And I'm praying for you personally. Whilst I was preparing this this week, I was just preparing this very much personally to you. That I'm believing that personally God is going to give you opportunities. There are going to be doors of opportunities that are going to open up to you. I believe in this year that new jobs are going to come to those who want a new job, those who are wanting to be married and have a lifelong partner. You've been longing there's going to be an opportunity. It's going to open up. I'm believing for new businesses to come forward. For those who've been longing for grandchildren, they're on the way, guys. Okay? There are some new places to visit. There are some, there are some new mountains to climb. There is going to be opportunities that are going to be presented to you personally. Your husband, your wife, your kids. It's going to be amazing. But also, I'm believing and praying for us corporately here at Arena Church that our opportunities will mean there's greater influence. There's growth in the life of the church and across the community and across the ministries. There's life change that happens in people. And there's an impact. Someone once said this, God will will supply us with the opportunity, but it's up to us to do something with it. You see, there is opportunity all around us. And with opportunity comes responsibility because we are faced with opportunities, with many opportunities over a course of a year. And I want to talk this moment, this morning about how we handle opportunities. I want to just draw your attention to Ephesians 5 verses 11 through to 16 and I'm reading it from the message version but for those who know the Bibles you'll, you'll understand some of the language but this is what it says. Don't waste your time on useless work, the barren pursuit of darkness. Expose these things for the sham they are. It's a scandal when people waste their lives on things they must do in the darkness where no one will see. I'll just stop there for a moment because I don't know whether you've seen the news over Christmas period. I mean, you know, it talked about, you know, Christmas revelers leading up to Christmas falling around on the streets of Newcastle, Birmingham, London, just drunk as a skunk, just wasting their time, wasting their lives. You know, it's just, and, and I'm, I'm not bashing people for having a drink, but it just goes too far. People, people just take it to the extreme. And, you know, people waste their lives on all kinds of things and I realize that people waste their lives because they're looking for answers and nobody's ever told them the answer. They don't know any different. It's our responsibility, church, to model something of life, real life, real fun, real joy. Can I hear an amen to people around us? That they would say, you know what? I want what Dan's got. I want what Emma's got. I I want what they've got. I really do want what they've got. I want what Gordon and Pat have got. I don't know what it is, but I want what they've got. And it's our responsibility, without having to say anything, for us to model something to the world. And this is what Paul is writing. This is talking about people are just wasting their lives. And then he goes on to say. Rip the cover off those frauds, And see attractive how, how attractive they look like in the light of Christ. Listen now this is to the church. Wake up from your sleep. Climb out of your coffins. Christ will show you the light. So watch your step. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get, these are desperate times. This is what it says in the New International Version of those last two verses. It says this, and this will be more familiar for those who've read the Bibles. He says this, be very careful then. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity. Making the most of every opportunity. Let me just give you a little bit of an understanding around the thought, around the writer of this. His name was Paul, and he was penning these words to a church that he was connected with, that he was involved in. And the thought behind these verses that I've just read is this. The thought is about redeeming the time. There are two ancient ancient Greek words used for time. One has a simple idea of day upon day. An hour upon hour. So we say, what is the time? And we'll, we'll touch. I've got a new smartwatch, by the way. It's not made me any smarter. It, it, I thought it was going to give me, you know, huge intelligence, but it hasn't. It's just uh, actually made it more complicated. But anyway, I love it. Uh, it's, you know, so what is the time? It's now quarter past 11. It's not that kind of time that he's talking about. The hour upon hour, day upon day. So, but that's part of what you can talk about when you say the time. The other has the idea of a definite portion of time. A time where something should happen. A season. It is the difference between time and the time. Do you want, am I making myself clear? The time. The idea that Paul is writing here is of the time. It's a definite season of opportunity that Christians must redeem. That Christians must redeem. There are two things to note here. Paul isn't telling us from, this verse, from this, these verses to make the most of every moment, even though that's good advice. But he's telling us to seize the opportunity for the glory of Jesus. It isn't to make the most of time, but to make the most of the time, the season. The idea behind redeeming the time is that you buy up opportunities like a shrewd businessman would buy up an opportunity in business, that you make the most of every opportunity. For Jesus Christ. Do you understand the difference? We're not talking about the time. We're talking about there's a time. There's an opportunity. There's a season. And that is what I sense in my spirit. As we approach 2017. That God is going to bring some of you into a season. A moment. An opportunity that God is going to open up for you. But opportunities are there. But we have to take them. I started by saying that. My title for this message was Make the Shot. I'm sorry for those people who aren't really sporty. And I can't really just say it's, 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 it's women who aren't. Because there are some women who love the sports and it's their husbands. But you just have to go with the illustration for a moment. Whether your tipple is football. And by the way, this was a wonderful present from Mike Taylor who's not here today. This is 1976 European Cup winners of Liverpool. Uh, we haven't had many trophies since then either, so uh, there we are before you all get in there. But I've got Ray Clements and Kevin Keegan and Phil Neal and some of the greats. You'd remember some of those, Steve. He gave me this. It was a beautiful present that he gave me on the proviso that I'll never sell it. And I said I never would. But whether you're, your tipple is football or whether we're becoming a little bit of a basketball family because Isaac and Lilia play basketball, whatever it may be, you've got to make the shot. You've got to take the shot. It's no good forever it being passed to you. Jared here plays semi-professional football. It's no good that if he's right in in, in the the goal mouth and all the ball's passed to him is in an open net and he decides to pass it on to somebody else. That would be ludicrous. And yeah, that's what happens with many of us here. The ball's been passed to you. If I can just pass this ball to you, Andy, the ball's been passed to you. Now you've got to make the shot. Neil. The ball's been passed to you. You've now got to make the shot. Kev. What a man. He's like LeBron. (laughs) Only about two foot smaller. Okay. Have you got it? You've got to make the shot. I hear lots and lots of people lamenting. Why does it happen for him and not for me? And I'm thinking to myself, are you, please excuse my language. Caroline's not here. You know, I'm not allowed to say stupid so I can do it when she's not here. Are you stupid? There's an opportunity that's just passed you by and you've let it go. What are you doing? There are opportunities that are coming to us all the time. And God is going to open up opportunities and it's what you now do with it. You've got to get it and you've got to make the shot. Paul shows them how this works. So we wrote this to the Ephesians church. Now we write something to the Corinthian church because Paul was forever making the most of every opportunity. And it says here in 1 Corinthians 16, verses 5 to 9, he writes, I plan to visit you after passing through northern Greece. I won't be staying long there, but maybe I can stay a while with you. Maybe even spend the winter. Then you could give me a good send-off. Wherever I may be headed next, I don't just want to drop by in between other primary destinations. I want a good, long, leisurely visit, if the master agrees. We'll have it. But for the present, I'm staying right here in Ephesus. Because a huge door of opportunity for good work has opened up here. But there is always mushrooming opposition. A contemporary, oh, sorry, more traditional version says this: "An effective door has over, for ministry has opened up for me. There is an effective door. There is a season. There is a moment that Paul is speaking about that is presented to all of us at some point in our lives." And he is saying, for this moment, I long to be there. But for this moment, I've got to stay here because I have a huge opportunity. Have you got it, guys? You see, God sometimes wants to get us there. But in this moment, this is where we need to be. Because this is the opportunity. This is the moment. Oh, this is the season. Anybody know what I'm talking about? This is the season. doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. Opportunities come to us. It's irrelevant how old and how young, how clever, how smart, how poor or rich. It's irrelevant. Opportunities come to us. And Paul was saying, this effective door, this door of opportunity has opened up to me. But get the language. This is what I want to just mention for a moment. There is also mushrooming opposition. You see, to every opportunity, there is always an enemy of opportunity. And Paul was talking about this mushrooming. Anybody ever collected mushrooms? You go and pick them up. I remember one camping expedition. We went with my mum and dad. We were fed off mushrooms for breakfast. It was fantastic. We'd go and pick them in the morning. And then we'd go the following day and they were there again. It was just terrific. They'd just come. Mushrooms just, just appear. And this is what he was talking about. This great door of opportunity. And what was actually happening in these churches, literally thousands of people were being impacted by the gospel. Thousands of people who were living their own lives, doing their own thing, much like us. They were were just partying, having a great time. But the gospel, as Paul preached the gospel and said, listen, you can do what you want to do there, but it's only through Jesus. And he talks about how thousands of people began to respond to this simple message of the gospel. But as a result of that, there were many, many people who were displeased. They wanted to kill him. They wanted to take his life. You see, some opportunities that come to us will always be contended for. And some of the contention is external, as in the case of Paul. But I want to just for this moment concentrate on internally. Because internally we can create barriers to our opportunities. Let me give you some, shall I? First of all, here's a barrier for opportunity. We think, of us, we think less Of ourselves than we ought. We think less of ourselves than we ought. It says in Romans 12 verse 3. Do not consider yourselves. Do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought. The problem with that verse is. Christians have taken that. And people have taken that is. That we shouldn't think of ourselves highly. He wasn't saying that. He was saying do not think of yourselves more highly. The point is this. There's a barrier that many of us don't think we're as good as we actually are. I want to tell you that if you are in faith, the Bible records over all your life that you are a royal priesthood. You're royalty. You're called by God. You are special in His sight. And by the way, if you've never stepped into faith, that's what He says over you as well. He loves you with a passion, even in the midst of your mess. He loves you. He cares for you. And many of us allow the enemy of you know, that we're nothing to stop us from moving into our opportunity. Have you got it? Secondly, people overthink. They overthink. So an opportunity comes and they're overthinking it. Well, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if the other happens? Excuses will always be there for you. Opportunity won't. Have you got it? It's an important message just to understand in arena. I'll come to it at the end because I believe there's some opportunities that are going to come our way. You see, we allow a third thing, internalizing our past mistakes and failures. Put your hand up here here if you've ever made a mistake. Put your hand up here if you've ever made a catastrophic mistake. Put your hand up here if you've ever made a mistake or you failed at something and it's impacted on others. We've We've all done it. We've all done it. And sometimes we allow those mistakes and those past failures to stop us from moving into our God-ordained opportunity. We must not allow the past mistakes of our lives to define us. They should distinguish us. My past doesn't define me. My past distinguishes me. I'm able to speak to others because of my past mistakes. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm able to be helpful to others because I've walked it and actually sometimes guide people away from it. I'm not going to allow my past mistakes and failures to stop me from stepping into my opportunity. Fourthly, the fears of what if. What if? Well, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if this goes wrong? What if that goes wrong? What What if I lose here? The what-ifs of life. And we are so good at the what-ifs of life here in the UK. That's why we exalt entrepreneurs. But then what we do is, as soon as they fail, we love to bring them down. It just frustrates the heck out of me. You know what? I'd rather have people who have a go and fail than people who don't have a go. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I really would with all my heart. Just have a go. Make the shots. But we allow the what ifs. You see, too many of us are not living our dreams because we are living our fears. And lastly, because we're over busy, because we're overstretched. Let me give you a phrase. There's no margin. It will stop us from walking into our opportunity. And what we do is sacrifice the potential great the average. Let me ask you a question. What do we need to let go of in order to step into the God-given moment? Because some of you need to do that. Some of you are living in the average. You need to let go of it because there's going to be a moment that's going to come. There's going to be a season. There's going to be a time that God's going to open up to you. Are you going to just remain in the average or are you going to step into your God-given moment? Honestly, as a shepherd this morning of the sheep, of you guys trying to bring a sense of lead with a group of elders and pastors, I desire, I was praying this this morning, I prayed it yesterday for you. I desire with all my heart for you to live openly and expansively. For you to embrace every God-given opportunity that will be presented to you in 2017. That is my prayer for you. But for that to happen, just in these last few moments that we've got, I just want to talk to you and help you to ground this. Because this all sounds flouncy and good, but there's going to be some serious adjustments and changes that we're going to have to make if we're going to step into our God-given opportunity. Let me introduce you to the three C's of life. Choices, chances, and changes. Choices, chances, And changes. Nudge one side and you say, choices. Your chance. Now nudge the other person and say, changes. Choices. Chances. And changes. Here's a phrase that I came across. You must make a choice to take a chance or your life will never change. Have you got it? You must make a choice... To take a chance, or your life will never change. So firstly, very quickly, choices. Well, we have to step into it. We have to be determined, Morgan, to make a shot. We've got to make the choice to make the shot. You've got to make the choice to make the shot. And I know this is uncomfortable for us because we love the thought of opportunity. And as I said, we lament other people and all they're living and how they're living their life. And all that's stopping you from entering into that is the choice. The choice. You have to be in it. Oh, I love that phrase. Let's do that again, shall we? You have to be in it to... I feel like Bruce Forsyth. Okay. Okay. The problem is, many of us, myself included, at times in my life, we live with passivity, we live with procrastination. We just stay where we are. Listen to me. I say this with tender love, but I need to say it straight. Today, stop making excuses for why you can't get it done and start focusing on the reasons, sorry, on all the reasons why you must make it happen. Choices. Part of my job is to help people to make right choices. I can't live people's life for them, I can only give counsel where it's requested, where it's asked for. The most frustrating part of pastoral ministry, for those who've ever been involved in it, is this very thing. Because me, people make bad choices even though you've advised them against it. But we have to make choices. Secondly, chances. I I could preach on all of these three, but just just to whet your appetite. We have to step into the unknown. We don't like this language. We quote it as church people. Ah, brother. Ah, brother Steve, we walk by faith and not by sight. Yeah, we do, but many of us don't. Because many of us don't want to, like, want to live in the chance of life. We don't, don't even like that word. I've never even used that word, used from a church platform. And yet that's what we're doing. We're stepping into the unknown. Are we not? We're stepping into the unknown. I'd love to guarantee that everything's... As Julie was praying a prayer and I was saying amen to it. I was mindful though of the fact that some of you are going to face some terrible challenges through 2017. As I, might, I might be one of them. Some of you are going to have some incredible oh, high high moments. What I simply prayed for me and, and I was praying for you as Judas was praying, that we would simply know His presence. Whether in the highs or the lows. Because it's His presence that will get us through. But I don't want to live my life so closed off so in fear, so intimidated by external and internal barriers that stop me moving into this choice and chance. We walk by faith and not by sight. We walk into the things that we don't know. We don't know whether the project's going to be a resounding success. We sense it in our hearts we're believing we're going to give our very best to it, but we're going to walk into it. And this is why many churches don't walk into them because they want to have it guaranteed that it's going to be a success. And then when they know it's going to be a success, then they'll do it. It doesn't work like that. When we took the Mansfield building, we didn't know how it was going to work but we said, you know what? We're going to take the Mansfield building and we're going to trust God. We had a sense that God was with us and we knew there's been highs and lows, but we was going to walk in. We took a, a chance. We made the shot. Oh, Justice was ready there. Oh, I, I feel like I've got to do it now because he was ready. Okay, I'll have it back. There we go. Got to make the shot. Choice. Are you hearing me? It's a simple message. Choice and chance. You know, if you don't take a chance, you don't stand a chance. <laughs> Have you got it? If you don't take a chance, you don't stand a chance. And Ecclesiastes, which is an unusual book, but one that I really enjoy, says this, time and chance happen to us all. <laughs> Lastly, changes. Changes. I absolutely love this pastor from North America. He's in his 70s now. He impacted me from afar. I've never met him. Uh, in the probably late 80s, early 90s, he's a rough Texan. I mean, don't listen to his podcasts if you want to be stroked. He won't stroke you, okay? But actually, this year, 2017, I at 16, I haven't wanted stroking. I've really got among some stuff that will just dig a bit deeper in my heart. And this is what he says. Champions do the things they hate so they can enjoy the things they love. Have you got it? Champions do the things they hate so they can enjoy the things they love. Sorry again for the sporting analogy, but I've not seen many boxers, and Cameron here boxed, I don't see many boxers who have enjoyed going to the gym at 5 o'clock, not having the the, the steak and all the food that they've wanted that everybody else can eat. They've done it. They've been away from family. They've been away from friends. Professional sports people do it all the time. Entrepreneurs do it all the time. By the way, great, successful men and women of God do it all the time. Do you think I'm looking forward to entering into this prayer and fasting season in the natural? I mean, come on. No, I'm serious. Come on. No. But champions do the things they hate so they can enjoy the things they love. You see, when opportunity knocks, we've got to be prepared to make the change. As I close, the gospel is all about change. If you're here today, and there's one or two people who I don't know, let me just help you in 30 seconds the gospel is about change the gospel the, the reason why jesus came was to redeem to save humanity that was broken and he came in the most amazing way lived the most amazing life sinless life perfect life and died the most cruelest death but then three days later he was resurrected back to life he, Death could not hold him down. This is the gospel message. It could not hold him down. And what happens at the point of salvation, which we say, when we ask people to respond, there's a point in which we respond to Jesus out of our hearts. This is what happened to me as a young guy. I responded. I knew I needed Jesus. I was making a hash of my life. And I reached out to him and responded to me. And I want to tell you, in that moment, I was changed. The gospel is all about change. That moment, my identity was changed. I no longer belonged to myself. I was no longer living for myself. I now belonged to Jesus. I was living for Jesus. So the gospel is all about change. But here's the point. Too many Christians just camp there. And they think God's going to do it all. I want to tell you, God isn't going to do it all. Julie prayed a prayer, the fruit of the Spirit. Now, we need the Spirit to help us in that, but there are some choices that we have to make if we're going to live according to the Spirit life. There are some changes that we need to make if we're going to live a life that's pleasing to God. That means to say that we're not going to get drunk. That's a change. I'm going to choose now not to drink too much. That's a change of my lifestyle. I'm not going to swear like a trooper. Now, I might need the Lord to help me in that. But I'm going to make a change. Are you hearing me? I'm no longer going to sleep around where I was comfortable with sleeping around. Now I'm going to make a change that I'm no longer going to sleep. Even if she's batting her eyelids at me or he's batting their eyelids, I'm not going to do that anymore. There's a change. We have to partner with God. God changes us, but then we have to make a change. Have you got that? Because otherwise, all we're doing is we're just dumping it all on God. There are some things that only He can change. There are some things that He asks of us. There are some things we are required to make choices that will bring change. I wrote here, some people are looking for God to do something that we can do as humans. If we wanted to seize the opportunity of this moment, if we wanted to seize the day, if we wanted to know that we're entering into a time, an overflow of unprecedented opportunity. Then we need to be committed to the choice, the chance, the change. And if we will do that, I can't guarantee you resounding success because you'd you'd sue me. (laughs) What I can guarantee you is that you're going to walk a life of adventure. What I can tell you, if you'll enter into that with God, you're going to have God on your side. And whether you feel like you're you're hitting the bottom, things are tough, He's going to be with you. Can I hear an amen? Or whether you feel like you're on the mountaintops and everything's going great, I want to tell you, God will be with you. Whatever it is, God will be with you. But we've got to play our part and He will play His part. I wonder if we bow our heads.